Last week I spoke to you about a subject called breathe. And this morning in minus 18, some of you got out this morning and thought, breathe. Uh, But I I want to encourage you, um, last week I spoke about the foundation. Uh, that we have to build our lives to be able to breathe correctly in our, in our journey on the foundation that is correct. Not a false foundation. And that right foundation is the foundation of our identity. And that identity is fully and completely in Christ. But there are lies that rob us from our identity. And there are ways by which we are transformed in our spiritual life, according to New Testament. Made two points on that subject. Point number one, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And point number two, we are transformed by the glorious presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Spirit in our lives. In other words, the longer you spend in the presence of God and His presence resting and being with you, you will see your character transformed by being in the presence of His Spirit. And we talked about that beautiful verse in 2 Corinthians where Moses, of course, reflected the glory of God. But we have the Spirit within us. So there's this this dance between the renewing of our minds and between lingering in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ that brings transformation. I reminded you that the Scripture said we shall know the truth and the truth will set us free. But... Many of us know the truth and it has not set us free. And the real answer to that verse is the verse before it. That says, Jesus says, hold on to my doctrines, hold on to my teaching. There's a difference between knowing and holding on. When you hold on to the doctrine and you allow it and hold on to it, and you won't let go of it and you've got it and you grab it and then not just know it, but you hold on to it, it brings transformation within your life. The lies that bind us are lies and we can spot our wrong foundations. Maybe we can spot our wrong foundations in our life because we spend our life being completely defensive about every issue. And when you're defensive about an issue, it shows that your identity is not in Christ, but your identity is in something else. When you become petty about things, petty about this, petty about that, petty about issues, you know that the pettiness is a manifestation that you are not having your identity rooted in Christ, but your identity is in other things. Or maybe you have a compulsive habit that drives you to do things that you're ashamed of. That keeps driving you and dragging you down. And the great lie of identity is that you have to be perfect to be accepted. The great lie of identity is that you've got to control your environment The great lie is this whole area of that you've got to perform and be perfect in your performance. But we don't. We cannot control. We cannot always be perfect. We cannot always perform as we believe we should because we are sinners who have been saved by grace and redeemed by the power of Christ. 
And my identity is in the foundation of the cross. My identity is rooted in the very place where Christ gave his life and redeemed me. And that changes who I am and transforms my life. There's a word also linked to this subject when we're talking about, I can breathe now because I know that it's not my identity. It's, see, our false identity fills us with guilt, fills us with shame. Our false identity tells us we're not worth anything. But our new and God identity tells us that we're saved that we redeemed, that the first Adam brought a curse, the second Adam brings the blessing, brings salvation, moves in our lives. But I want to talk about a word that often we don't think about, and it's a word uh, that is in this um, uh, scripture, and, and John the Baptist was preaching. Don't you love John the Baptist? Wild hair, camel, clothes, eating honey and locusts, and just going to it. He was like those, those, those great preachers and those who lived around Qumran and down by the Dead Sea, where these great uh, would seek God, would every, every day, you know, go into the waters of um, purification and, and so on. There was this great movement of, of, of getting right with God, of being, uh, living in repentance. And John the Baptist appeared as the forerunner of Christ. And he proclaimed saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And I want to talk to you about a beautiful word that is in this. And that word is repent. Yet repent, because of the Middle Ages and because of the idea that repentance is somehow a dreadful thing or a humiliating or because of the way that we framed repentance or even the way that preachers have preached it. We've preached in a very condemning way over the generations occasionally. And we've preached in such a way, but repentance to me in my life has been the most beautiful gift of God. Repentance has enabled me to find freedom, to find hope, to find... You see, no real change in your life can happen without repentance taking place. No real change. You see, repentance is the way to find the kingdom. Repentance is the way to find freedom. Repentance is the way of going deeper with God. Repentance opens the door to a whole wonderful walk with God. And when I truly repent, I breathe because I know that my God in heaven has heard my repentance and has forgiven me. I feel right. I feel peace. I feel God's presence. Feel his healing power coming through a repentant heart. Whereas the kind of middle age is you know, this idea of a penitent people walking on their hands and knees towards the great cathedrals, uh, repenting for their sins as crowds jeered at them and threw things at them in that kind of European way of making you feel like a wretched person. If you feel wretched, we'll make you feel even more wretched and we'll throw tomatoes at you and you'll walk to the great cathedral or crawl there and there you'll repent and make penance and yet it was such a humiliating experience. 
God doesn't want to humiliate you. But he wants to redeem you. Even Jesus, when he came and preached in Galilee, he declared from the time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. See, repentance is that that freedom that we receive where our lives become aligned again. Our souls become aligned with God. That there's an alignment that takes place that changes our lives. I drive a car, which is good. And um, it's a Buick. And um, very nice. And 2002... Uh, my kids aren't so fond of it, but they think I should drive something a little bit more, you know, appropriate to a Mennonite pastor, a horse and buggy, um, or a Mercedes. They go, Dad, you used to have a BMW in England. You haven't got one here. You've got a Buick. I, I like it. It's good. It's, it's solid. And, and yet, when I sometimes have taken it on the... Um, Forestry roads hasn't worked so well. But, but when I've taken it and then I'm driving it up and down the road and for a while when it got to about 80 kilometers, uh, suddenly the car would start to shake. And, and, and when I got to over 120 on those roads that you're allowed to go that fast on, just outside the church here... Um, <laughs> The whole car would shake. Why? Because the alignment was out. Take it down to Theo's, get it sorted. I don't know, get the wheels balanced. And then uh, it's fantastic. No shaking. I can go as fast as I want within the law of heaven. And racing down. You know, I know the angels leave you at 100 kilometers, but then... The demons leave you at 150. So, but there's no more shaking. There's no more, because the, there's alignment. And repentance brings true alignment with the heart of God in our lives. And sometimes you wonder why your life is, is shaking, why it's in the wrong direction, why things are going wrong. You wonder why, why every time you start to go in a direction... There seems to be you're being pulled to the left, pulled to the left, or pulled this way or that way, or there's a shaking. It's often because your heart, your soul is not aligned with the heart of God. And the way that we become aligned with God is through taking repentance seriously. Backing away from what Jesus hates and going towards what Jesus loves. That's repentance. And in our society, it's all about tolerance. But the problem with tolerance, and we don't talk about repentance, is that, weirdly, the opinion of somebody like Adolf Hitler could be exactly the same as Mother Teresa. But you see, the enemy of the soul is our pride. It's our pride that can often stop us from truly repenting. It's our pride. And, and in the battle for the soul, it is the pride that stops us from humbling ourselves before the living God. It's our pride. And our text for the today, I'll just mention this. You are only as sick as the secrets you keep. And often we have hidden issues within our lives and we know we have to be willing to shine the light of God within them. 
This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. You see, what repentance does, repentance brings the light of God into the darkness of our hearts. And then the light comes, it drives the darkness away and we become free. We become free by the presence of God's light. There is no darkness in God. But often we can deceive ourselves and we can, can, can say that we have fellowship, that we go to church, that this is good. And yet we know that there are areas within our lives that we walk in darkness. Our soul is out of alignment. We are inconsistent. Our character and what we know are not joining together. And so we're lying to our ourselves and the truth is that not at work within our lives but if we walk in the light as he's in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin when we allow ourselves to walk with each other trusted people spiritual people People who have got integrity and we are willing to say yes. No more secrets. I'm willing to bring this darkness that I battle with into the light because I know that the blood of Jesus can cleanse me. I know that the blood of Jesus can free me. I know that the blood of Jesus can move in my life. I know that I can be free. And if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Give a look at your life and go, my soul is, is out of alignment. That attitude those the way I am. I need to be honest about those insecurities. I need to confess that issue. I need to, I need to let God deal with that. I mean, I've, I've been in ministry over 30 years and I remember being a young evangelist. How ridiculous I feel telling you this story. But uh, we used to uh, preach all over the country and magazines used to write about the young evangelists. And I, you know, we get into, into these Christian magazines and the, sometimes there'd be an article about Phil Collins, the Youth of Christ evangelist, and it would all be there. Wow. And I, was, I felt pretty good about myself. And then other weeks... A bit embarrassed to tell you, but, but there'll be other evangelists and speakers in the magazines. And I'd look at this, and the truth is, I felt a bit jealous. I felt a bit envious. A bit, it was ridiculous. And the truth is, the only people that read the magazines were the evangelists. And, and I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling jealous. I'm feeling envious. I'm feeling pathetic. I don't know if you ever felt pathetic about this. And, and I remember going to prayer and, and saying, Lord, I'm such a, such a sinner. I'm so 
I'm so full of wrong motive, wrong thoughts. Forgive me. Right? And some of us would talk about it. It was sort of a very competitive era. Until the day I brought it to the Lord. I said, Lord, my soul is out of alignment. And I confessed it. I confessed it to a brother. I said, you know, I I live with this, this competitiveness deep within me. And I'm not rejoicing. I'm going, hmm, why aren't I in the magazine? And then the Lord whispered to me and said, I want you to read the magazine every day. What? And I want you to turn that magazine into a prayer diary. And I want you to pray for every ministry, every other preacher, everybody in there. And every day until I tell you to stop, keep praying for them, keep blessing them, keep honoring them. And allow your heart to be healed and learn my values and my principles of the kingdom of God. Oh. See, you know, we're all insecure, aren't we? I go. In my old church, I used to go away. I had a brilliant elder that you could preach. Oh, he was brilliant. And I'd come back, and I'd been away, and they'd go, oh, he preached. He was so fantastic, Phil. So amazing. So wonderful. I'd be, oh, good, good. What am I, chopped liver? Ah, and I'm like, oh, lovely. Ah, oh, praise the Lord. And inside I'm going, no. It's not that I didn't want him to be awesome. It's just that I didn't want him to be as awesome as I am. Petty. Pettiness. Juvenile. But isn't it true that each one of us battle with things in our heart? And the only way those are truly broken is that they are truly broken through a heart of repentance. See, repentance shines light. Repentance brings healing. And it comes, as it says in 1 John, through the blood of Christ. Aren't you sick of secrets? Sick of secrets that you're hiding? Sick of secrets? The way we break the power of the secret is we break it through allowing the light of Christ to shine into our hearts. So many people are carrying secrets of shame. Now the Lord works with us. The Lord comes and he uses a a process with us. The first thing the Lord always beautifully does when he wants to deal something within our lives, he comes and does something called conviction. He starts to convict you about the way that you are. Have you ever noticed that? Conviction is is the moment when peace disappears from your soul, if you like, and you know that that attitude, that approach... That response, 
Those words that you spoke unkindly, those actions you did, that's conviction starting to work within you. Don't run away from conviction because as I explained the process, the moment you feel the prompting of conviction, it says you're alive spiritually. The moment you feel the conviction working within you, this is wonderful. So wonderful because it means that God's going to do something in your life. But so often we feel conviction and we run away. And then we understand that just that we have this sense of contrition, that we are humbled, that we are open to being humbled by the Spirit. We're open. Contrition literally means humble, but it means more than that. It means when David went through his sin with Bathsheba. The Lord actually crushed him to see the rebirth of him. And often we are afraid of being crushed. We're afraid of that conviction. We're afraid of that moment. But let me remind you that the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows out of it. You and I know this. And when the light of God is in us, and we're walking in fellowship with one another, and we're being honest and open, and we're willing to face our battles within our life, which of course none of us often really do because we live under shame. But, but if we are willing, what it's all about is this. It's about that I want my heart, above all else, I want my heart to be guarded and that everything you do flows out of this heart that God has given me. And I want a heart after Christ. I want a heart of goodness. This heart makes me love people. This heart helps me to release resentment. This heart brings goodness into my marriage. This heart helps me to lead my children. This heart, as a man of God, that I am willing that when the Lord convicts me, that I don't run away from from the Lord, but I run to the Lord because this is a sign that I am spiritually alive. Don't see conviction as a negative thing. See it as a beautiful thing. Because otherwise we know that there's the law of the harvest. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. What I want to do is in my life, I want to sow to reap eternal life. I want my character to reflect that. I want to sow fruitfulness. I want to sow life. I don't want to get caught in the habit. I want to break those habits. I want to break those issues. I want to see God change my character. I want to see that love and that kindness and that patience and that goodness and that hope flow through my life that God redeems my character. But I know I can only See that change when I embrace the beauty of repentance within my life. And let it do its work.
Otherwise, as Proverbs puts it, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats their folly. Not a verse you often get quoted in church. I've got a dog, you know. My dog's a pain. I love her deeply. And we've got a rabbit. But the dog... Dogs are foolish, aren't they? The scripture teaches. It's eaten something. It's poisonous. It brings it up. And that which has just poisoned it, it goes back and does it again and eats it. I think you've got the picture, haven't you? And the Bible says that our sin, our folly is like that. Paul said, I do what I do not want to do. But what I want to do, I don't do. I keep coming back to the same mess. I keep making the same mistakes. I keep responding in the wrong way. I keep being full of anger. I keep being full of secrets. I keep living this lie and these secrets are killing me. But secrets do not have to kill you The freedom of Christ can deliver you and the road of repentance and conviction, God can come and move and bring freedom and bring life. And that which you keep going back to can be broken in the power and through the cross of Jesus Christ. It's a deep work. We've got to be willing. See, if I run away from conviction... And then I don't sow goodness into my life. And then I keep going back to the things that I keep doing. And yet I say I love Christ. Then often, and we don't hear this very much, the heart of a father comes and the father comes and disciplines us as his children. disciplines us. Remember an old evangelist telling me a story about his life. And when I grew up, he'd preach in stadiums. He'd preach all around. It was amazing. He was, he was handsome, dynamic. He was the evangelist. And he was, what, 20 years above me. He got the contract to move to America with a TV show and to do the American, to break America. It's not just the Beatles that want to break America. Apparently, the odd evangelist does. Pride and arrogance gripped his heart. And one day he woke up and visas were not accepted Doors were closed. Every invitation to preach dried up. And he had nothing. I said, Eric, what happened? And he told us. He said, the Lord disciplined me at that moment. And loved me enough to stop it all. He became a pastor. A local church minister. 
for many years. He ministered there. And yet then the Lord brought him. Did a marvelous, marvelous work. We've got to be careful of our soul. We've got to be careful because discipline, it's a loving discipline from a father. He comes and he, he confines us. He comes and if you are disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you, if you're not, you're illegitimate. The, the point is that you are sons and daughters of God. And sometimes God stops things. So I'm going to deal with something in you. I love you too much to let you carry on the way that you're living. I love you too much. I'm going to shake your world a little bit. Because I care more about you and eternity than I do about your comfort right at the moment. I'm going to make it a little bit uncomfortable for you. It's a loving father. It's not punitive, it restores us. And anything that the Lord does in our lives comes and restores us and builds us up. My heart can become like a field, it can become hard. But when the Lord comes with his love, he comes like a plow and he pushes through my hardness and he sows seeds of fruitfulness back into my life. And it's so important that we keep our lives Humbled and open and honest before God. Because that's how freedom comes. That's how it comes and changes our lives. That's how it comes. And I have to live in this place. You know, there are so many people that are bound by secrets. I'm not suggesting that you tell anybody your secrets and the world your secrets. Oh, you need to be safe. But there's this lovely movement amongst evangelical pastors now where we're getting together and we are doing life confession. We're talking about the things we've battled with. We're talking about the pain we've been through. Of course, not everybody wants to do this. We're talking about the shame areas that have bogged us down in our life. And we're declaring that the gospel has redeemed us, that has freed us. And, and, and there's transparency and there's openness. And believe me, when a generation of pastors across a nation start to be honest about their own junk and about their own secrets and bring those secrets before others and declare that there is great forgiveness in the gospel and the kingdom of God, then revival can come to Canada. Revival can come. But you do not have to live with secrets. You can be free of the secret and healed in the right way, in coming. And what I realize is I've got to own my stuff. See, I've got to stop dodging and diving. I've got to stop sort of giving myself excuses. I've got to stop sort of saying, well, it's... You know, it was like this, my excuse, sort of not admitting it, denying it. I've got, because when we live like that, God can't heal us. God can't free us. But when we're absolutely transparent with the King of kings and the Lord of the lords, the Lord comes, he frees us and he brings hope. He heals our broken hearts and we say, I own this, Lord. Help me to come and be free. And the power of repentance steps in and suddenly you've got a generation of Christians that are not condemned, but we know that through the gift of repentance, we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are set free and we are God's children. 
He can do that. This is the power of the gospel. So I have to be honest. I have to say, no more secrets to the grave that are holding me back spiritually. I've got to say, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. What's the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow? Godly sorrow is when we allow the revelation of the Holy Spirit to come into our sorrow and into our pain and that he comes and heals us of our brokenness, our regrets, our shame and our guilt. We allow heaven to come in. Earthly sorrow is, I wish that never happened, I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep running from it. I'm going to, I regret it, but... I'm not willing to let heaven come into that. Heaven to move and heaven to work and heaven. So we have to ask ourselves three things. First of all, we ask God for a contrite heart. Let my heart be humbled before you, Lord. Secondly, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I remove you from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's a contrite heart right there. That he comes, he does a deep work in you. And where there's been stone, he brings flesh. He brings life. The second thing is, we say, I want to stand in the light. No more secrets. No more dodging and diving before the God. I am here with all my weaknesses, with all my failings, with all my battles. God loves me immensely. He loved me before I was a Christian. He loves me the same now. His goodness is for me. God absolutely loves me. And therefore, hey, I'm going to stand in the light. I'm not going to let darkness rule me. That's a mature act. And I stand in the light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And I can breathe again. And in every way we have to own your part. There's that area. You may have been betrayed. And that 90% is that somebody else, but that 10% is your part. Own, just own your part. Be honest about that. I failed in this way. Be transparent. Allow the Lord to move. I find that in our evangelical world of the last 40 years, We've dumbed down salvation to perhaps a sinner's prayer and raising your hand and not to the deep work of God. Now, I believe in the sinner's prayer. You know that. I got saved through the sinner's prayer. I am a classic sinner. Conviction, come forward, hit with the power of God, repent, led to the Lord by a Plymouth elder, walk out and start evangelizing. It worked. And I'm here 30, 40 years later. I don't know how old I am. Well, how old am I these? I'm 43, yes. Um, Joe, thank you. 
But we have to own. I have to go deeper. Say, Lord, come. And finally, I want to say what a beautiful thing happens. That when you bring your issues from darkness into light, God will give you freedom as you get a revelation from the Spirit. He'll free you. The church has struggled over that verse in John chapter 20. It talks about Jesus appeared to them after the resurrection and the cross and he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now go, be forgiven, and forgive other people's sins. So the Catholics have always had a view on this, and the Protestants have always sort of avoided this verse. But the truth is, forgiveness and its power flows out of the breath of God coming through our lives. So when we have the Spirit at work in our forgiveness process, we get a revelation of all that Christ has done on the cross for us. We go, wow. He whispers how much you're loved. He reminds you personally, as a personal revelation, about how much he cares for you. And that secret, that habit, that issue, that thought pattern is broken through repentance and forgiveness and the breath of Jesus coming and bringing freedom for you. And it is quite profound. It is quite profound. It is quite a beautiful. I finished this. I tell this story, so some of you have heard it before, but it gives you an example. I was 19 years old. I was traveling and preaching. I had a girlfriend. It was in the days when there were no cell phones, but I suffered with a deep issue of jealousy. A con- conflicting jealousy within me. I, you know, I was in a, a, a Christian singing band. I wasn't singing, I was speaking and in drama and street work and we were traveling around. We did 40 missions in a year and, and, and yet I'd be like, oh, I'd phone up my girlfriend and I'd be like, uh, hello, hi, how are you doing? Good. And to be putting the money into the phone. Do you remember those days? I bet half of you won't know how to use a pay phone now because I, I tried the other day and I, 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 I couldn't. Um, how are you? Good. What you've been doing? And you know, I'm chatting. I'm like, oh, yes. And who have you been out with? And oh, right. And um, oh, with Peter, have you? Oh, right. Oh, yes. And how was that? Oh, yes. And what did, how long did you hang out with him? The pips. Remember the pips? Put the money back in. I had no money. I was in the conversation. I inside, oh, I was a great preacher, but inside I was jealousy. Jealousy was killing me. I kept going back to it like a dog. I kept responding in that way. I kept responding like that. And I was in the back of the Toyota van 
driving through the night. And I said to the Lord, why am I full of this jealousy? Why am I like this? I keep. And the Lord reminded me. Weirdly, it was when I was 12. I believed a lie. And um, my mum had an affair. And I found out about it. And the lie I believed was that if the person closest to me can have an affair who I love the most, then the truth is you can trust no woman. And the fruit of that lie was jealousy that wrecked my soul. And the Lord showed me that in a spirit revelation. And I said, Lord... His breath was there. I forgave my mom. I forgave this. I forgave. And I repented of what my own anger. And at that moment, the breath of God came. And I was utterly free. And from that day to this, I've never had that experience. That's what repentance does. It frees us from the wounds, from the damage. And the spirit came. I was free. How about you? We can be free. And that is, we have to be willing to own our part. And I encourage you to go on the deep spiritual journey of being honest with God. Bringing and looking for his breath and for his freedom. Your marriage will be better. Your parenting will be better. Your life will be better. Your soul will be refreshed because you're living not in darkness, but in light. Let's stand together. For each one of us, Lord Jesus, I pray, as we think about repentance is the key to change. Repentance is the key to the kingdom. Repentance is the key to breaking secrets. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to live a very deep spiritual life as we're willing to walk in humility and a contrite heart before God and allow the healing presence of Jesus to come. Even in the final moments of this service, Lord, we ask that you do lots of lovely miracles here and that people that have come in feeling shame will feel freedom. People who've come in here 
feeling lost will feel found and loved. And that, Lord, you will redeem us and continue that journey so we can breathe again. Because we have walked the honest journey of who we are before you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.